Hello everyone and To another episode of Grappling with Canada. As usual, I'm your host, The Taxman, and I'm very excited to be bringing to you the subject matter for this month as we cover the career of Gail Kim. Now, what's interesting I find about Gail Kim is as much as she's known for her work in impact wrestling, for women's wrestling in general, and for her professionalism, both inside and outside the ring, there's really not a whole lot of documentation about her career. And what there is is um, let's just say skewed slightly and we're going to kind of get into that a little bit in this episode we're also going to go deep into the career that she had in impact wrestling as well with guests that i have on the program we're going to talk about some high spots from her career i also have some fantastic classic audio um, from gail kim from a couple of promos that she did in impact wrestling leading up to a couple of major feuds that we're going to talk about later in this program as well as Audio from somebody you may not expect to be talking about glowingly about uh, Gail Kim, but we're going to get into all of that and more on the other side of this. Hey everybody, Trent from Total Nonstop Impact. Impact Talk for Impact fans, the number one Impact Wrestling podcast and discussion show on the planet. Tuesday night, post shows after Impact and Access TV. Thursday night, TNA Asylum Throwbacks. Sunday night, Impact Plus Weekly, Explosion Talk, and Open Forum, all the pay-per-views in between, and the breaking news. Whatever's happening in Impact Wrestling, we're covering it. Join us at Total Nonstop Impact at twitch.tv slash Total Nonstop Impact, youtube.com slash Total Nonstop Impact, and all major podcast platforms. Now, as we start to dig into today's subject matter, like I had said at the top of the program, it's interesting how much is not written about Gail Kim. And it's funny that I should talk about that, and I realize the irony of what I'm about to say because I'm a guy, but the majority of the articles that are written about Gail Kim are written by males, and many of them have a very, we'll just say male-skewed perspective, is the, the nicest way I can put it. A lot of the articles, too, that you will read online regarding Gail Kim are written in a time that women's wrestling was not really looked at as impressively as it is today uh it was very much looked at the popcorn match and we're going to talk about that a little bit later with both of the guests that i have on this program and it's really unfortunate because there's a lot of female wrestling talent from the early 2000s mid 2000s uh into the 2010s that are you know kind of whitewashed and forgotten about in history because of a lot of the bad that came out of that period of time i'm not going to get into all of the negative portions of it. I don't think that that is where this podcast needs to go today, but suffice it to say that there's a lot of overlooked talent. And when you're talking about overlooked talent and talent that maybe doesn't get their due recognition to me, top of the list is Gail Kim. Now, maybe that's because most of her career was spent with impact wrestling. And yes, say what you want about impact wrestling and their reach and their numbers and, and all things like that. But the reality of the matter is they've been essentially the number two country or number two company in uh, North America for the better part of 15 years. Now, whether you're looking at their time on Spike TV, whether you're looking at their time on FX1 or, you know, where they are now, obviously there's been a lot of ups and downs and, and I'm not really here to debate whether it's good or not that where they are in terms of product placement. 
However, nobody can deny what they've done for the evolution of women's wrestling far beyond and before what WWE has done before their quote-unquote women's evolution and the uh, pay-per-view and such named after that. But I digress. Like I said, a little, a, a lot of female wrestling talent from that era was quite overlooked. And like I said, Gail Kim is the top of the list. So that's kind of why I wanted to shine the spotlight on her today. Not only because she is a fantastic Canadian, she is a fantastic women's wrestler, who also, like I said, just happened to be from Canada, but really set the bar for what uh, women's wrestling can be and how women's wrestling can be perceived by the outside public, whether male or female. Like I said, I have some fantastic guests on the program. Ashley Rose Nova, who you'll remember from episode one, the Stu Hart episode. She joins the program again, backed by popular demand, I might say. And we also have Alicia. You will notice her or know her from her time on Total Nonstop Impact. And you just heard their infomercial, if you will, uh, right before the program here. But uh, she also joins the program. So like I said, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of information that probably you guys have not heard or if you've heard it, you haven't heard it in a long time. So we're going to get into all of this and a lot more. But before we uh, get into all that, let's kick this off with a promo from Gail Kim uh, talking about her unfortunate time uh, in the WWE when she was um, she was reflecting on the second second end of her tenure with them. So we're going to get into that audio and then uh, we're going to get into the crux of the program. I felt like I was held back. I felt like <clears throat> when we had matches, it would be six girl tags, eight girl tags, um, just random matches that meant nothing. I remember looking back at the crowd sometimes and they were just, they're not invested at all. I think that they just thought, okay, women's match, bathroom break or whatever it was. and. You know, I tried to do my best when I had the singles matches, but they were far and few between. And so, you know, I think when you're in that kind of situation and you really have no choice, you just kind of try to make the best of it. And that's what I did. I just, and then eventually I just became so unhappy and I just couldn't stay. If you saw me in WWE, I was a completely different person. Uh, I walked on eggshells, which no one should ever feel that way, and maybe that's partially my fault, but I never felt at all like I needed to be someone else in Impact. I always felt like I could be me. Uh, that's why I'm probably a little bit more vocal, um, because they make me feel comfortable. They're like, okay, you can be Gail, and we like Gail. <laughs> um, and I never felt like Gail was good enough in WWE because I just couldn't be myself. Um, I was always thinking, who do I need to be? Who do I need to be? And honestly, I just needed to be myself. But, you know, the way that I look at things with that company now, when fans ask me, I just say, you know what? My personality did not fit there. And I truly believe that because knowing my personality now and what it's developed to, I think I would probably get into a fight. <laughs> if I was back in that company, I'd end up punching someone office because I'm just so feisty now and maybe it's my age uh, I'm 40 now and so you become more confident and you just put up with less and so I think if I was back there 
uh, I don't think they they would like me because I, I don't know if they like strong outspoken women I, I don't know I, I doubt it you know I don't feel that they do Just a few housekeeping notes before we dive into the program today. Uh, you can check us out, tinyurl.com slash grapplingwithcanada. There you're going to see links to Amazon pages, uh, most notably in regards to books for authors who have been on the program previously. Now, if you use these links to purchase those authors' books, this program gets a tiny bit of kickback. Uh, the thing to note about all of this and I know I say it every time, but I'm going to say it again, is this does not add anything to your purchasing price. It just provides a small kickback uh, from Amazon to this show for providing the service. So if you use those links at tinyurl.com slash grappling with Canada, that would be much appreciated. Also of note, and especially in regards to Impact Wrestling fans, you will see at tinyurl.com slash grapplingwithcanada a link to a 30-day free Amazon Prime subscription. Now again, this doesn't add anything to your purchasing price, but it does help out the program. And of note, these Amazon Prime subscriptions can also be used towards Twitch. So if you are an Impact Wrestling fan and you watch Impact Wrestling on Twitch and you want to subscribe to their channel, use my link, get your free 30-day Amazon prime trial then go on tuesdays on twitch to watch impact wrestling and uh, use that uh subscription to get all those tendies if you will of note also you can find me on twitter at six underscore podcast and you can find this page on youtube under youtube.com slash c slash six-sided podcast now as usual that's because that was under the old six-sided podcast name and i'm not changing it because that would open a whole can of worms and we're not going to get into that right now of note also i want to mention that you can find this podcast if you're listening to it on youtube.com slash c slash six sided podcast you can also find it on itunes spotify stitcher google podcasts basically wherever you buy sell trade steal barter trade whatever your favorite podcast type in grappling with canada and you will find us and one last thing to note we are marching our way to 1000 subscribers on youtube so when we hit that wonderful magical 1000 subscriber mark one lucky subscriber is getting a tremendous prize package now i can reveal one part of that package tonight uh included in that package will be a a copy of pain and passion the stampede wrestling which i would call the bible of stampede wrestling a book that was written by heath mccoy that is going to be a part of that tremendous prize package that one lucky subscriber is going to get once we hit that wonderful thousand subscriber mark now that we've done all the housekeeping we can move ahead with the program Gail Kim began her career wrestling on the Canadian-American independent circuit before joining the WWE in 2002. She became the first WWE diva in history to win a championship in her debut match. After being released by the WWE in 2004, Kim joined TNA in 2005. There, she joined the tag team America's Most Wanted as their valet, which we discussed later in this episode. After the dissolution of that group, Kim performed as a singles wrestler, eventually becoming the inaugural TNA Knockouts Champion in 2007. During her time in TNA, she had an acclaimed feud with Awesome Kong, which we're going to get into great 
depth and detail later, which is generally considered one of the greatest women's wrestling feuds of the 2000s, and I would say in history, to be perfectly honest. She later left TNA in August 2008 to return to the WWE three months later, where she remained until 2011. Now, the 2011 end... And the controversy around all of that, we're going to dive into deeply as well in this program today. The following October, she returned to TNA. And in 2002, PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, named Kim the number one female wrestler in the world. And in 2016, she was announced as the first female inductee into the TNA Wrestling Hall of Fame. Now, before we get into my first interview with the aforementioned Ashley Rose Nova, I'm going to play an audio clip from somebody who you may not consider as a, how shall we put it, a big women's wrestling supporter, and this is from Jim Cornette. Now, I'm not here to debate what anybody thinks about his comments, which are, I find, often taken out of context, what this audio is Four is to showcase what he thinks about Gail Kim and the incredible run that she had with Awesome Kong. Now, one of the questions that was posed to him on his drive-through program was what he thought about Gail Kim and what he thought about the presentation of her and Awesome Kong in TNA Wrestling. So I'm going to play this audio, and then I, and I hope that this re- opens some people's eye, eyes a little bit with Jim Cornette now. Again, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, and I'm not here to debate the things that he says in his program, not all of which I agree with personally. However, like I said, many of them are taken out of context, so in the context of this episode, I hope that you will uh, will give it a second thought and uh, and really listen to what he has to say about, about Gail Kim and Awesome Kong and, and their feud that they had. So I'm going to play this audio, and then we're going to get to my interview with Ashley Rose Nova on the other side of it. Well, I, first of all, I loved it. Short version. Now I'll elaborate. Um, and I don't want to compare it to anything say such such as greater because I haven't seen a lot of the. I still got to see the uh, the the a couple of the girls' matches here lately that everybody's been talking yeah. about with Charlotte and Rousey and etc. But I don't want to just poop all over those since I haven't seen them. However. Uh, t- I think Awesome Kong and Gail Kim was my favorite female wrestling program rivalry ma- series of matches, however you want to group it together, uh, that uh, f- since I've been watching wrestling. Um, it, would ju- it was perfect. It was a monster heel against a young, fresh-faced, you know, exciting underdog baby face. Um, it, it, that I've said many times, it, Dutch Mantel originated or was originally given the knockouts division to be their agent because I don't think anybody else probably wanted to fuck with it. You know, because Shitstein was trying to write, you know, Shakespeare all over again. He didn't have time for it. And so they left him alone, which is why the knockouts started outshining and getting over, at least according to the television ratings and just the interest, the knockouts division started getting more interest, especially underneath Gale and Kong, uh, because it made sense. And they left Dutch alone, and he could uh, tell the girls, because he's a very good teacher, how to put shit together psychologically to go along with the things they could do in the ring, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, once... The, the numbers started reflecting that the people were more into the girls than the guys. Idiot fucking started uh, putting his fingers in and messing in with that too and gimmicking it up. 
but Gale and, and Kong were perfect, and the match, and Gale would willingly take a hell of an ass whipping. Can I don't mean you know Kong was not being unprofessional or or dangerous in a dangerous way or whatever, but it was Gale knew to let Kong be Kong, and Kong was trying. It's like a female Vader; she was trying as best she could. Not to hurt you, but shit was going to happen because that was a lot of fucking force and passion behind all that shit. Uh, and Gail could work her ass off and sell so well. And I've always thought, to be honest, at that time, once again, I don't want to knock anybody currently because I haven't seen the whole roster standing side by side. But Gail was the most attractive female talent in the business at that point also because she didn't look like everybody else. She wasn't... Overly surgically enhanced. She wasn't blonde. She wasn't, you know, she didn't work like a, you know, a former lingerie model or whatever. She, she was unique and very cool. And, you know, so anyway, and, and you could obviously, you could get tons of sympathy on her and look and Kong played with that fucking facial expression and the the you know just the way she could move around and do that shit is like working with a female vader and you know gail kim was the Shawn michaels although they they worked together much better in the fucking ring than those two did though uh but i loved it i loved it all right everyone i'm very happy to be joined by fan favorite of the show and second time returnee ashley rose nova ashley how are you doing tonight i'm good i'm great uh you know it's, they're as good as they can be today. We were we we're talking off air a little bit here. You're in the beleaguered state of Texas right now, but luckily you're uh, you haven't been affected by the power outages down there. Oh no, not not at all. Luckily, and I've had heat, and I'm pretty set. <laughs> Just you get the the water water advisory, right? You got to boil your water there. Yeah, yeah, but even then, I have I I don't mess with tap water anyways to begin with so <laughs> yeah you're all you're in a good spot there then for sure yeah i mean it's it's a shame and it's horrible what's going on currently but uh like i said you know i've lived other places in texas that were a lot colder than uh than than it got here so it's all good you're well ac- a, you're well I'm, acclimated at least yeah, I, I'm adaptable. <laughs> would be the term, but it is it is sad uh, what's going on. But um, hopefully, by the time everyone hears this, uh, usually everything should, from my understanding, should uh, be manageable again. Yeah, and showed up to everybody down there trying to get uh, everything up and running. Like that's uh, quite the task. I know, you know, you've been through a little bit of climate yourself, and I'm I'm in Winnipeg, and you know terrible weather is kind of our our calling card so for for us if we're kind of used to it but everybody down there you know hats off to everybody who's trying to get that thing right and get everything uh put back in order that's uh quite the task oh yeah um you know all i've been doing is i've i've been working honestly the whole time um, we've had a pretty busy couple of days um at culture plus entertainment uh twm you know i'm currently uh i don't have anything um, do actually for them until like at the end of the weekend. So, but entertainment wise, we've been pretty busy. Um, you know, as far as like the comics department and the anime department and the gaming department are extremely busy today. 
because of all the news that's been coming out today. Well, I can only imagine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with between lockdowns and, and everything else that's going on, yeah, it's a good time to, to stay at home and, and kind of indulge yourself in those kind of uh, niceties, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, um, I've been I've been working, but I haven't been really affected by anything weather wise. Um, that's that's completely by luck, honestly, because uh, there are some places like near where I am currently residing that did lose power. Um, but luckily, you know, that um, changed and, you know, the, the power got turned back on. So we're we're very adaptable in my area. So that's a good thing. Adaptability seems to be kind of your forte, right? Between between that and, and all the different wrestling articles and everything, like that's kind of your uh, it's right in your wheelhouse, if you will. Yeah, I also write <laughs> I also write other things besides wrestling articles too, and I think sometimes people forget that, but that's cool. Um, wrestling's what I'm known for, so I'm okay with that. Which is why I wanted to get you back in the program. So, if anybody is not familiar with Ashley, she was a special guest on episode one, the Stu Hart episode. Uh, did a tremendous job, and if this is your first introduction to this program, I highly suggest that you go back and listen to our our uh, repertoire on episode one. Uh, great stuff, at least. So I had to get you back on here because we are going to be talking about uh, the career path of Gail Kim, and you are quite familiar with her with your uh, knowledge and expertise as it regards to Impact Wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, she's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, she's not just a legendary knockout. She's, I would say she's probably the knockout uh, there. You know, when you think of that championship, you you think of Gail Kim. I would definitely say that over her uh, her WWE run. Yeah, and we're going to get into that a little bit too because it's, it's funny. A lot of people kind of forget about the WWE, and she, and she had, believe it or not, two runs, and a lot of people forget about those just because of, well... The first one was not memorable at all, really, and the second one is more memorable for how it ended, and we're kind of we're going to get into that as well. But uh, we're going to kick this off. We'll just start with how she started off in the WWE. So she starts off in the WWE. She was essentially a valet. Now this was uh, she came out of OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, under the tutelage of Jim Cornette and others, um, and was doing dark matches and uh, house shows before she got called up to the main roster. Uh, this would have been in 2002. So they, it's funny, back then they they used to do, they being the WWE, used to do such a um, good job of bringing in talent with vignettes. And a lot of people, if they remember her WWE runs, would remember her vignettes that were showing like this kind of Matrix style of effects that were airing on Raw. And this went on for several weeks until she finally debuted. But in classic WWE fare, she debuts and then she's put into like a, a valet style um, <laughs> debut right away. Just to me, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to put the time and effort into, into vignettes and, and hyping somebody up and you got this great talent and you debut them and they're a valet. Very strange in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Kel, I, I would always say, um, during that time, you know, as far as WWE was, you know, it, I mean, it was the promotion at the time. I mean, now we have so many different other promotions. 
you know, for her to make it there, I thought it was a, I thought it was great. And, you know, she has always been ahead of her time as far as it comes to a women performer to be in large promotions. Sadly, like, you know, like you said, you know, they didn't, all this hype, you know, these package promos that were created, not necessarily with her, but, you know, just to, almost like a, a teaser trailer would be produced out for new talent. Yes. It's kind of, to debut her, everyone to be excited, all the fans to really look into something like, oh, this is something we can get behind, this is someone we can get behind, and to fall flat, it's, you know, it is a shame. It's, uh... And I, I spoke about this at the top of the program, and, you know, it is kind of, it's awkward a little bit for me being a male host talking about this specific part of it on the program, and I'm going to be as um, tactful as I can be, but everybody has to understand, that time of the WWE, this is way before their quote-unquote women's evolution and things of that nature, uh... That period of time in the WWE, you were you were pushed if you had blonde hair and certain assets. We're gonna say to put it nicely, and if you, if you didn't fit into that category, uh, talent or or otherwise, you were kind of set by the wayside. And I, I kind of feel like that was her lot of the draw. Like she was a she was a four week champion during that time. They didn't really do anything with her. She won a couple of uh, battle royals. They didn't really do anything with her. She had some high um, high impact feuds with Lita and Trish Stratus, but again, they don't never really went anywhere. She just kind of seemed to. She was there and she was talented, but she was almost just a number, if you will. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as you know saying maybe she was just a number or a jobber, uh, as the term people would use it. I think primarily they maybe used her mainly to put others over that they felt that they could market and push quicker, which is probably, when you look back at that time, that's probably exactly what happened. Um, uh, they just went with whatever was market, uh, marketable, you know, which is a shame, you know, during that time period because it, it was a difficult time for women's wrestling. Yes, women's wrestling was being debuted on a major promotion was it the correct way or an accurate way or the right way i i don't know i'm not one to exactly judge because you know i was younger at that time and that is what we knew um we wouldn't know any type of evolution in major promotions when it comes to pro wrestling in my mind until tna would actually raise the bar a little bit higher and actually have, you know, more than just a handful of people that they were pushing due to a certain stereotypical look or some type of stereotype or some type of persona. I mean, it's, it's, we're looking at it in 2021 eyes, right? Yeah. It's a very too, like, it's a very touchy subject, uh, that time period, I think to even discuss and you have to, I feel when people look back at it, there are some good aspects of it. Um, but also, 
there are some things that I feel that maybe could have been done better. However, it was a different time period, and that's not me making an excuse for the promotion. But um, that seems to be, for some reason, what was going on at that time. It, uh, do I agree with it? Not necessarily. I think no, a lot of things could no. have been done way better. Um, and that's just me being very delicate with the subject. Yeah, it's... It, it's you don't want to like. Part of me wants to just come up guns blazing on it, but it's like, how how tactful do you want to be navigating a situation like that? So, um, Jim Ross has talked about it on his podcast multiple times. A story about he's talking to Vince, and Vince didn't understand what Gail Kim could bring to the roster because she wasn't blonde and she wasn't six foot two and she wasn't um enhanced i i have to i'm trying to phrase this politically and i i apologize if this is coming off as as you know derogatory or whatever that's not my intention and i don't mean to make light of it but we have to understand that we're looking at something in in 2021 light and this is something that happened well 2002 19 years ago and then we're looking at events, you know, 15 years ago after the fact. But, yeah, just he didn't understand what Gail Kim brought to the what, – what she brought to the table. And Jim Ross had mentioned, well – and, again, this is a terrible thing to take out of context. But, again, we're, we're in 2002 eyes here. And Jim Ross had mentioned something along the lines of, oh, well, Vince, you know that there's Asian – pornography and Vince scoffed at it because he couldn't understand or didn't want to understand or whatever that there's you know there was there's women's body types and you know outside of the sable cookie cutter whatever you want to say physique right and I think that that really is something that you see nowadays but like you said, you you didn't see it in WWE back then, and I'm not saying that that's the right thing to go. Obviously, we know that that's wrong in today's day and age, but that's something that you really saw moving forward in uh, in TNA and Impact Wrestling, like where she went to, and we're going to get there in just a second. So, uh, Gail Kim was released by WWE in uh, 2004. She was just, it was simply cost-cutting. That's the reason that they gave her, but obviously her track record, the way that they used her, it was kind of a no-brainer that you know, you bring somebody in with such this big push, you, you, you <laughs> subject them to a to a lesser role, and it's kind of it's out the door after that. And then unfortunately, that she just kind of you know got cut. Uh, unfortunately, way too soon. But she does wind up in TNA wrestling, which is where we're really going to pick the story up because this is when it really gets interesting. So, uh, following her release from the ninety day no be no compete clause listen to me talk <laughs> uh she made her debut for impact wrestling in 2005 so i'm not sure were you watching impact at this po point in time or no um i was watching it on and off honestly because you know it there were some aspects of impact or tna at the time or tna impact whatever yes we yeah we should we should say at that time it was uh, TNA Impact or TNA Wrestling, yes. Um, 
there were certain aspects that I did watch a lot of. Um, usually it was, you know, a lot of the knockouts division and the tag team division at the time because they offered something different, a little bit different than what you were seeing in WWE. So I watched um, certain aspects of it. Um, it wasn't until later on that I became more invested in the actual promotion. So she like came in. That's she essentially kicked off. Like they had a women's division, the knockouts division, as it would come to be known. But she's one of the pillars that really built that that division up. Her and Jacqueline had an incredible set of matches that really kind of defined what we're bringing to the table here. It wasn't the WWE, you know, pretty girls with long legs in in five minute bra and panties matches, and I'm. I'm sorry for being crass, but that's what it was back then in the WWE. Now you're seeing women who can work, women who are getting in the ring, who have talent, and they're being able to showcase the talent. And and her and Jacqueline really kicked this thing off. Yeah, that would be her primary introduction, I think, into the Knockouts division. Um, From my understanding, I think they would compete in a gauntlet after that for the championship. It wasn't until later on. Yes, they that's correct. For yeah, for a women's title. Um, at the time, I would definitely say TNA, regardless of whether people want to accept it or not, or believe it or not, TNA was probably the first televised promotion. I think that displayed a lot of different types of women's uh, wrestlers from different backgrounds um, that could, like you say, you know, the terminology uh, work and went through a lot of the training or chose to do that type of work, you know, uh, whether it be a valet interviewer or, you know, just to be entering talent. So, yeah, I, that's, that's my opinion. Um, it's whether people want to believe that or not. I, that's what I would, that's what I think, honestly, as far as a televised program. Well, even I'm I'm looking at the the roster of women that they had in that like 2006 to 2008 era, like so you have you have Gail, you have Jacqueline. There's ODB, Roxy Laveau, Angel Williams is there. Awesome Kong is there. Uh, you had the beautiful people were there. Um, Taylor Wilde is there. Like this is this is a um, a wide swath of you know, cultures and, and individuals and body types and whatever. To me, the, the knockouts division was never based on one type of person or one type of personality. To me, the knockouts division was an extension of the X division or, or like, or, you know, eventually we get to the knockout tag titles, but like everything was just an extension of the men's division, right? There was nothing like, Nobody was nobody was calling the women's matches in Impact Re- or TNA Wrestling, I should say, the popcorn matches, right? Nobody's leaving because you know that when these knockouts were coming out, especially Gail Kim, that they were ready to put on a show. And, and time after time, they proved that. And it really did elevate the game and change the, change the, uh, the style, although it did take a, quite a few years for it to change mainstream-wise. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, that's, you know, that was one of the reasons why I tuned into TNA. Um, 
you know, as, as a woman, you know, you, or a female in this industry or just in this generation, you, you want to see something relatable. Yeah. Or you want to see someone and, you know, and this is, I would speak mainly just in, you know, here in the States, you know, you weren't really exposed to that that much because of how much of a, how, like how large of a promotion WWE is or WWF at the time or whatever terminology they use then. I don't know. I lose track of that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> Cause it all, does. Because <laughs> it, it, it all blurs in, honestly. But... I think that's why they lacked a little bit of uh, a female backing uh, in WWE. Yeah, you know, you had your favorites, like you had the guys, you know, but as far as when it came to women's wrestling, you know, it would be very short, um, very quick, or uh, some would say inappropriate, depending what terminology you want to use or whatever you're watching. And usually at that time, and, you know, you would get up to go buy your merch or go to your food stand, concession stand. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when you would watch TNA, I think they had maybe a little bit more of a female uh, backing or support compared to the other promotion. Only because you could actually, you want to see, you want to see something relatable or something similar to, to what you're whatever your background may be or, you know, whatever you can relate to. That would be the best way I could put it. Well, you want you want to feel a connection to whoever's in the ring, right? And it's hard to feel a connection to somebody in the ring who's... And, uh, again, I've, I don't mean to be crass about it, but somebody who's... It's hard, it's hard to respect somebody in the ring who's only there for their looks. And I, I know that's a horrible thing to say, but that's what... WWE was booking at the time and it doesn't matter yeah, which way you want to slice I, it that's what it is yeah and you know there were a few I will say this there there were a few women that did not want that you know you had of course like uh, Trish Stratus doing her oh, best oh yeah Lita, for sure yeah Lita definitely stood out yes uh, the best she could because she was not which is probably one of the reasons why she her interest us are probably the I would say one of the most respective uh respected uh, women that came from that time and that era um, because of how well you know they handled that time frame and of course how well they could work um, I would definitely say that that's probably why those two are the most respected ones and they wanted to work and they they didn't want to just be pushed into that category of whatever came whatever cookie cutter factory, whatever was in at the time, you know? Yeah. Wh- however whatever you was... want to phrase that. Yeah. Yeah. However you want to, I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, to even talk about a subject like that, especially now. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you have to give it to like, there, there are a few of those women that did not want to be pushed in that category and they did their best with what they could do. Yes. So I, you know, I do, give credit where credit is should be you know and like I said you know there were a few women and those were the two that always stood out which 
Lita and Trish Stratus at that time. Yes, 100%. But, yeah, but uh, back to TNA, you know, you had a whole thing going on with the women's division that was not what you were seeing on WWE, if we're going to do any type of comparison, as much as I hate to do a comparison like that, but hey, it, you know, it, it is what it is. And unfortunately, you know, we have to do, we have to speak of the, the comparisons of both companies because TNA was was having uh, some major television time, you know? Well, and, and I mean, that aspect of it, we're kind of, we're going to unfortunately have to dive a little deeper into and and as we move into the program here. So she returns to the WWE after her TNA contract runs out in uh, 2008. So she goes back to TNA, or sorry, she goes back to WWE. And, uh, you know, once again, she's kind of in the mid-card, right? She's, she's there picking up some wins over people like Maurice or Michelle McCool. Um you know, th- back then as well, it's of note that the WWE had gone away from the women's championship and now it was known as the infamous Divas Championship. So that kind of shows you the regression, if you will, of the of the women's division there. So she's kind of in the mid card. She's really just in in enhancement matches or job matches or whatever. Like she's she's defeating announcers and she's defeating like and again i'm not trying to to knock anybody but she's she's wrestling women who are let's just say below her skill level and that's the nicest way i can possibly phrase it so she's running through this she's there for three years from 2008 to 2011 and the 2011 her exit there is probably the most talked about thing of her entire WWE run and everybody has heard by now about you know what happened with CM Punk in 2014 when he quit the WWE after the Royal Rumble and the whole you know Daniel Bryan saga right everybody well okay I shouldn't say that because I understand that a lot of non-wrestling fans listen to this program so I'll give a little backstory to this and I I want you to chime in on this as well so, 2014, CM Punk is, like, on top of the wrestling world. He's he's the guy, but he's, like, total anti-establishment. He just, he doesn't give a damn. He, he plays by his own rules. Well, he wanted Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble in 2014 and get a shot at the championship because he thought that Daniel Bryan should have been the guy. WWE says, uh, we don't think so. We're going to push somebody else. So, CM Punk says, haha, screw you guys, I quit, essentially. And quits the night of, or quits right after the Royal Rumble and leaves the company and and basically sets fire to the goddamn place after he's done with that crazy uh, shoot interview he did. Did you catch any of that? Yeah, I remember when it came out. So what happened there? It it's very easy to draw comparisons to what happened with Gail Kim. So uh, 2011, she's in the Royal Rumble. WWE asks her to get eliminated the first minute of the match. Like she, I think she went in number two and they told her, yeah, just, you know, a minute in, just, just get out of there, get yourself eliminated. So she says, screw this and eliminates herself and then goes backstage and quits on the spot. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's, I mean, there's no other way to explain it other than that's exactly what happened. Um, they, I think, um, you know, social media was, I was around, but it wasn't as, I guess, popular at the time. I think MySpace <laughs> was still a thing back then. <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, it was. It was MySpace, uh, you know, and then we were moving on to Facebook. It was during that weird transition time. So, WWE does what WWE does, and they release a small statement stating that she officially left the company and that her contract had expired. Which is like, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, they're not going to come out and say that they just, she quit and she eliminated. She chose to eliminate herself. But like, what an uh, ep- what an unbelievable like, like what. <laughs> What I know she's a woman, but what balls to do something like that, right? Like, you guys want me to do what? No, f this. I'm gonna do it my way, and just like, <laughs> to me, that's yeah. just—it's incredible. Well, not only that. I mean, you have to. Uh, from my understanding, I you know I've never personally spoke to Gail Kim. Um, like. Uh, you know, I see her on Twitter every once in a while, and I interact with her, but I've, I don't know her personally. But as a human being, as a, you know, just as a person, I would think maybe other things occurred backstage as well. Um, maybe, because, I mean, to just quit like that, you know, it had to be a sequence of things. Maybe it's a possibility that... She was doing all the stuff mid-card, and then for them to just say, okay, you know, you need to be eliminated after less than a minute or a minute, you know, uh, I can understand and where that would be frustrating. And, you know, it's and it's completely... I would, this, I would go as far as saying it's unfair, especially when you work so hard, and you're clearly over with your fan base or the fans of the promotion at that time. So, yeah. So we had talked off air and I said, before I get into this, I just want to reiterate something that I said at the beginning of the program, that there are topics and views that are expressed in this program that we, myself and the guests do not condone or appreciate or whatever. But unfortunately it's part of the story and we have to talk about them. I was talking to you off air about uh, about an article that was written, and fair or not, it, you know, it's not fair, let's be honest, but the majority of mainstream wrestling articles are written by men. And this was no different in, in this time frame, 2011, when Gail Kim left the company. So I'm going to read you an article... Please stop me when you when you feel the need to interject because it's kind of a long one. But okay. because you have look, you are an incredible writer and you're an incredible journalist, and I just I I want to get your your take on this and just because I have my own opinion of it. Uh, it's I I think you can tell by the way that I'm talking about it that I'm not real. I'm not. I'm not happy with the tone and tenor of this article, but uh, uh, I, I, for the I, record, you know, I, I don't necessarily like to critique someone's work. Uh, oh no, I don't. I don't oh, mean it in oh, a no, critique I way. Just, I just yeah. want to make that statement because yes. uh, there was an incident that did happen, uh, and you know, I, 
some people would say that maybe people don't give me enough respect because I am a woman and I'm okay with that. Hey, you, you know, you do you, whatever. <laughs> I, I just, I have to worry about, you know, what I write, what I have. I have to worry about deadlines. Okay. I'm more concerned about that than what someone thinks of me or how they treat me. Yes. Um, I don't like to criticize or critique someone's work unless someone asked me some, for some feedback. There was a case when someone did ask me for some feedback and I advised them there were some grammatical errors, um, per se, and I did advise them to speak to their editor to check it. Uh, and I also, and then they asked me, too, what my feedback was, and I suggested uh, maybe progress into uh, some creative writing or something. You know, just gain a little bit of more knowledge, and I in no way meant that in a negative aspect. However, that person did take it as me shitting on their article when I did it. I just wanted to let them know that there were some grammatical errors that their editor should have caught, especially from a platform that I used to work for, when I know that they have editors that catch that. Simple as that. <laughs> just for the record, I, I don't really like to... I don't criticize a lot of people's work unless asked, and I do give my honest opinion on how you can improve. Uh, how you take it, it's it's another thing. Uh, I remember my first year, it was very difficult because there, it's almost you have to expect to receive a negative response from the audience that reads it all the time. However... Um, I slowly learned when people say nothing about it, it, it's better than them actually throwing any type of, what's the word, uh, how do I politely say tantrum over what your topic <laughs> is. So that's all I just wanted to say. I, I have had that experience and, you know, like I said, I don't, I'm not doing it in any way to be foul or mean. I'm just, I have a high expectation I have higher expectations than most people when they come when it comes to writing any type of feature about something. Yeah. So f full disclosure, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention this person's name or the website that it's off of because again, this this article is is uh, ten years old at this point, but yeah. it, it it does uh, it illustrates the mindset that existed back then. So uh, again, I'm gonna go through this. And uh, stop me when you when you would like to interject. But uh, the title of the uh, of the article kind of sets the tone and tenor of this thing. So, uh, Gail Kim quits now. Please shut the hell up. Is the title of the article. So you, I think you can understand where this what direction this one's going. So, well, in all fairness, a lot of the titles were were exactly that in 2011. Yes. Recall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Uh, all right, here we go. Gail Kim is one of the sacred cows of the online professional world. Professional wrestling world. Kim is known for her proficient quote-unquote work rate and boasts a decorated history as one of the pioneers of the once successful TNA Knockouts division. The talented former WWE Women's Champion and TNA Knockouts Champion should have had no problem fitting in as one of the elite talents in WWE's much maligned Divas division when she returned in 2008. Instead, Kim... Uh -huh. Yeah, okay. I already got a problem with that paragraph. Okay, go ahead, please. 
that's not even a paragraph. But <laughs> first of all, these are performers. These are women. You don't don't subjugate them as being called cattle. First of all, they are not cattle. They're in-ring talent and they're performers. To say that they're cattle, it almost it almost sounds like as horrible as it sounds. Uh, like when you say cattle, it, it's kind of those. It's kind of saying like it's like a it, it's essentially like a, a meat factory, you know? Yes. Like whatever comes in, you're the number that's next, and then you're out. Yeah, you're ground and, up and onto the next. You're ground up and, and yeah, exactly. So these are performers. These are people, not just women. And I would say that for men in general. Don't subjugate them as cattle, because keep in mind they do break their bodies for a living for your entertainment every night or every other night, depending what they're scheduled to wrestle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't agree with using that terminology. Uh, the once known TNA knockouts division, the knockouts division was still going when she left. Yeah, and you could argue that it was get it was improving, not because she left, but after she left, it was still improving. It, it was still growing at the time. Anyways, continue. <sighs> oh, this gets worse. Instead, Kim was cast aside, significantly visible only as an extra in WWE Diva Battle Royals, and to those who logged on to WWE.com to view obscure WWE superstars show. Kim handled her apparent "quote unquote" misuse the way any independent contractor by heart would with a misguided sense of entitlement. Kim endeared herself into the oftenest anti-establishment how internet... She, how, was she, how was she entitled if she was there performing and doing what she was told and contracted to do? You know, if you think that that's an odd statement, just... No, that's just God, a, this thing, this thing just not, gets it's worse. Not, it's, it's not an odd statement. You're just contradictory, contradicting what you said to Oh, 100%. Um, first, you're... You're calling her okay. First of all, you're comparing her to another number. Then you're praising her, and then you're throwing a negative response after that. So you're contradicting. You're contradicting your. Uh, I can't talk right today. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're you're, you're, you're all hot now. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I cannot talk right today. I've been like this actually all day because I've been busy. Uh, like I told you, we had a busy day today. Um, you're you're just contradicting yourself. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, throughout the first two paragraphs, I really don't believe what you have to say. But I'm going to read it just to just just to give you the benefit of the doubt, maybe, that well, I, there's something more intellectual you have to say further on. But go ahead. I think your doubt's going to get erased here, but we're going to continue this here. Um, <laughs> I like to give people a chance. All right, well, the chance is fading <laughs> fast, but... Um, Okay, where did I leave off here? Kim endured herself to the oftentimes anti-establishment internet by not taking action in the ring, but rather firing up her Twitter account and blasting WWE creative. Once, All right, we had Twitter already. Yeah, uh, I, now I we guess have a so. Now we have media. a timeline, yeah. So no more MySpace, we're on a Twitter. <laughs> All right. Once the apparently inexcusable misuse of Kim's divine talents became too much to handle for the once prolific women's wrestler, Kim unceremoniously <laughs> quit, leaving too much behind... To yeah, listen to this shit, and this is... 80, 80% of the roster didn't know how to wrestle. They had to be taught at the at the center over there. So, this next paragraph is especially 
poignant because we just talked about the the CM sorry, Punk issue, sorry right? If that offended anyone that's going to listen to this. No, offend but... away. Well, honestly, anybody who would be offended by that would be somebody who sh- who shares that that masculinity or toxic masculinity um, mindset, right? And really, you're in the wrong place for that because you know what the hell, but. Uh, it's it's okay. I'm already used to it. I just <laughs> it. It just depends if I feel like entertaining them for that day. So we we had discussed uh, or touched on the the CM Punk issue, which is funny because remember this is written in 2011. So sorry. his his next his next paragraph is taking cues from the shoot minded CM Punk a bit too seriously. Kim Kim sang her own swan song when she rebelliously eliminated herself in a recent uh, battle royal, thus quitting the company on her own terms. Well, like, I mean, there's foreshadowing. She, she technically, she technically did do what they told her to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She <laughs> she she, she <laughs> lost in a minute, just not the way that they wanted. Yeah. Uh, Kim has since spent the last few weeks letting her Twitter followers know that she indeed quit the WWE with the WWE's newest malcontent going so far as to kindly ask the powers to be not to, or sorry, to officially release her from her contract. WWE still hasn't budged. Gail Kim said on her Twitter, this is the current situation for, for everyone who's asking. I quit last Monday, and apparently after a total of five years working for a company where I was not utilized or appreciated, I am now, for some reason, valuable enough to keep me under the remainder of my contract so I can't work anywhere else. Controlling thoughts so the the author says to this good if it's wwe's intention to allow kim to ambiguously sit and rot on a couch and in and in effect pantomime her recent run with wwe they have every right to do so it's worth mentioning that wwe's right to, to such power should be in breach of the otherwise unorthodox Laws pertaining uh, to the status of an uh, impacted co- Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, excuse please me, cut Mr. in. Mr. Mr. Pro Wrestling Journalist of 2011, uh, who probably won that whatever award was available at the time. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know what? You know, you know what was good? Gail Kim's wallet, because she still collected that check. So, so your statement is still kind of shitty. But I mean, it's horrible that she had to sit there and not do what she loved. But at the same time, it's not extremely that negative. Continue. No, and it's 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 it's. He's oh just God. making it sound worse than what it was, but it, it really it, wasn't it's, that it's, bad. It's 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 framing the situation in. I don't know. I'm I'm going to keep reading this thing because it's just yeah. ugh, this is such dreck. But again, I, and the only reason I'm, I'm bringing this to that article get, I'm sure it got a lot. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it did because, but, and this, this is what passed for journalism back in the day. And again, this is why I wanted you on the program because what passes for journalism today, I'm, I'm happy to say the standards are quite a bit, quite a bit higher, but we're going to keep getting into this one. (sighs) In a brief amount of time, Kim has since gone from obscure malcontent to newsmaking vigilante armed with countless complaints about being misused and done wrong by that thankless WWE creative team. These complaints seem to only fuel the uh, ubiquitous sentiments and, for lack of a better term, electronic filth which propagate the inflated idea of a poor, misused wrestler. Wrestlers shouldn't be used in a violent and unforgiving business simply to be used correctly. 
Most individuals who adopt such narrow-minded ambition end up being used up or not used at all. Chances are wrestlers who never achieve achieve the rarefied air of WWE. Six, oh God, I can't even read this with a straight face. <laughs> oh God, specifically because they couldn't overcome the omnipresence of the pol- politics of the business. They have no business in the pro wrestling industry in the first place. One must eat or be eaten. God damn it. Like, uh, that one pisses me off because... I mean... Nobody goes... Nobody gets hired by a company and has the intention of not being used. Or nobody goes to a company and gives a half-assed effort with the intention of, I'm going to sit there and catch a check. She she did everything that she was scripted to do. That's what I'm saying. Uh, It... Now, as far as, you know, people being under her skill level at the time, sadly, that is the truth. She is state, she is telling the truth about that. And if and it's, you know, if pro wrestling is something she dearly loved and she still dearly loves, I can understand her frustration of wanting to try something new and not even either being taken serious for her skill level or not even being listened to. So I can understand her frustration and what her statement meant. Um, as far as, you know, politics, unfortunately in this world, every community, every place sadly does have politics. And sometimes things are taken to a political level. And I don't mean necessarily like, you know, the left or the right, Democrat, Republican, socialist, anything like that. Um, unfortunately that's the environment and sometimes, you know, Sadly, sometimes people do have to get political, but in this aspect, it has nothing to do with this article or the statement that she released. This is her choosing to leave a company that she felt she was not an asset to and she could be in another company doing more. That's all she that's all this whole thing's about. Um, As far as. You know, whoever's writing this, the statement, I don't know exactly where their mindset was at the time or uh, what their understanding of pro wrestling actually is. Well, it's very limited, apparently. Um, But, you know, that's like I said, unfortunately, that's that's I mean, that is my that's necessarily my opinion, Um, whether people agree with it or not. You know, sadly, I, I don't. I can't sugarcoat anything I can say in reference to that, but I can understand um, it's something she dearly loves. She has ideas. She wants to be heard. And unfortunately, at the time, you know, in certain promotions, major promotions, meaning like WWE, sometimes they don't take the time to listen to any ideas that could actually help or improve or who knows, maybe she wanted to be utilized more and a training level as well, and it didn't happen, I'm not sure exactly what she meant. But if she felt it is her right, and it's anyone's right, to say, hey, I don't feel I'm being utilized the best way that I can be utilized. I think I can do more. And if and if you don't have anything for me, then, then I'll just leave because you're wasting my time. So I can understand that. And... I don't think necessarily there was extreme hard feelings when they parted because it, it the departure between the two, from my understanding, it didn't, it doesn't really seem ugly. No, to me, it seems like she just, she got slapped with the 90 day no compete, which is par for the course. 
Mm-hmm. Right? She she said something about the 90-day compete, and then this guy just, whatever, writes a hit. Let's be honest. It's a hit piece. But we're gonna, mm-hmm. I, we're winding this I, thing down. I, I'll, I'll read this last paragraph because I, I honestly, I, I can't. I'm sure, I'm sure it was worth all those hits that she Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure it was, yeah. This, I'm oh, sure, God. I'm sure you're, I'm sure, you know, whatever outlook you wanted to share in pro wrestling and the fact that we're even talking about it now is probably the most validation you're going to get from that article <laughs> from 2011 and it's i don't i don't hear any i don't see anyone going hey you remember that badass article about gail kim in 2011 by blank random blank random, yeah. random seasonal writer redacted yeah pro uh. wrestling writer, journalist, whatever they are. Do you remember that badass article? Nah, nah, I don't I don't see anyone saying that. But let's continue to the last paragraph. To, yeah, this will be the last paragraph because I can't read any more of this dribble. Anyways, uh, to this day, it confounds me why... Okay, this article in itself, or this paragraph in this poorly written diatribe that this guy wrote completely sums up what this guy understands about the pro wrestling fan's mindset. But anyways... To this day, it confounds me why anti-establishment is so popular among internet wrestling circles, all of which bask in the note of pastime of tirelessly complaining about WWE. If everybody was anti-establishment, there would be no WWE for them to complain about. Gail Kim continues to rot along with what remains of her contract, tweeting pungent messages to whoever out there still knows who she is. I guarantee you that this individual would never ever in a million years write an article like that about CM Punk. I, w- I would I would guarantee you that he would never write an article about any male wrestler. It doesn't matter who they are in in, in history. He would never write an article about, like that. But I feel like again, I know that we're anti-establishment. I I mean, anti-establishment's everywhere in every community, every industry. It's not necessarily just Gil Kim, and that's that's really unfair to put that that weight of the world of pro wrestling on her back. Yeah, like she's she's the <laughs> biggest martyr, and like what what did I just read? She, right. I uh, let's let's <laughs> let's go on and, and talk about how Gil Kim is probably one of the most legendary pro wrestlers in the states as as a woman, successful in multiple promotions let's talk about that let's talk about what she did for the industry beyond you know your your 2011 opinion in your your article that i'm sure your pride and and those hits were worth i really hope that you know whoever wrote that article it was it was worth it um well i'm i'm and, sure that they're and, a superstar because of that article and that's not me being a jerk. It's not. Oh, I'm being a jerk now. I don't give. <laughs> God I, damn, not, that's. I'm, I don't mean to. You know, I'm not being uh, reasonable. But that whole thing is very. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it. it's it's insulting. It's very insulting to any performer. I would never write anything about any performer in that aspect, regardless if they left the company in a in a negative aspect, a bad note, how the fans felt. Because the fact of the matter is, I'm not the one out there breaking my body for your entertainment. I'm just the person documenting it. 
for everyone to have in the future. So, yeah, it, it is offensive, and you're probably right. Maybe he wouldn't have written that about CM Punk. Uh, what's what's the current day to... Or, you know what? He probably would have never written a word like that about Daniel Bryan. Guaranteed not. Uh, Seth Rollins. Hell, Roman Reigns. Well, and you, you John figure... John Dean Ambrose. You wouldn't... Any of the big-time uh, guys in this industry... Uh, I guarantee you wouldn't have said that, or you would not tell them directly to their face what you said. Well, to me, it's such it seems like such a double standard because if if you know people will and unfortunately this is true today still not so much on on the um, writer side of things, but some of the fans like nowadays when a guy asks for their release or they quit WWE to go somewhere else, like a John Moxley, when that whole thing happened or, uh, like Matt Hardy with that whole fiasco, when he left WWE to go to AEW and all that kind of stuff, or, or, you know, somebody like Matt Cardona, who is, who is essentially mothballed and then finally let out of his contract and then goes to impact wrestling. It always seems like when, when the the guys, for the record, Matt, we, we love having you here. Yes, just, he is just... a fantastic talent. Actually, we did, we were talking about that on uh, on Total Nonstop Impact. I was on their program this this last Tuesday, and we were talking about him. But um, it seems like when the when the guys make a power move like that, they're celebrated. And then when a woman makes a power move like that, she's bitchy or something. Like there there's such a or or not worth uh, the contract or, or the contract she yes. was given or. Uh, yeah, you know, unfortunately it it is what it is, you know, like, like I said, you know, I've, people have accused me of being difficult to work with, but I'm not because I'm rehired, I'm rehirable at any platform I've worked for and additional platforms, but that's at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, unfortunately it's a double standard. Um, I... I, I, as a woman, you know, writer in pro wrestling, that's, I mean, I guess I'm decently known. I don't know. I would say <laughs> I so. Pay, I, I don't pay attention. <laughs> <that> <laughs> but, you know, I like what I do. And at the end of the day, I don't have time to think about what your feelings are about me as a woman or what you think you know about me as an individual. And like I explained to a friend of mine earlier, if I'm not talking to you on the phone, you don't have my phone number. You don't have any reason to have any issues with me because I haven't given you any, especially if I haven't talked to you. Now, whether you disagree about my writing and you think my writing is mediocre or horrible, at the end of the day, I don't do it for you. You know, I, I don't do it for the fans. I, I do it for the career of that performer. So that way they have some type of public recognition or they have something documenting their career. Now that's the fact. I mean, you and I've talked like I've, you know, you and I've talked and like I've told people I would jokingly laugh and say, I have, I have the largest archive of Kenny Omega articles. Yes. Um, that's, I mean, that is what I, you know, whether I like it or not, that is what I'm known for, but I do, I have written for different styles too. 
Uh, you know, right now I, I'm writing Noah stuff besides Impact stuff. I'm also writing entertainment stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, everywhere. But whether you like my style or not of writing, that's up to you. But it, at the end of the day, you know, like I tell people, I don't do it for you. I do it for the men and the women that are in this industry because they deserve a right to have some type of proof or documentation of their hard work and eventually making it to a major promotion like Impact, AEW, WWE. A lot of people don't know this. I've written some stuff for WWE as well. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not biased to one promotion or to another. I, I'm just, I'm for pro wrestling in general. But I feel like that's kind of, you know, it, it's fun, It's interesting you mentioned that, you know, you write the articles for the performer, right? It almost, it you can kind of draw the comparison to someone like Gail Kim, who, she doesn't wrestle for for you know the promotion that she's under she wrestles for herself like she's trying to she's trying to elevate herself and the women around her and you can you can see that you know goddamn look what she did in that like 2012 to like 14 range in 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 uh well then it, it would have been um TNA then, impact, I guess, right? Yeah, but and then like to leave for a bit and then just come back and just be able to like jump in the ring with the knockouts at the time. Well, that's because what I mean. at the time, like the knockouts were already advanced at that time. When yes, they were. Jump back in into like that time, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, around that time. And well, yeah, for her to just easily pop back in to the ring and work, you know, work. And the other interesting thing that I find is you know because she's canadian she she was really the first big name canadian that went to tna impact came from canada really had the 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 vine to go through gail kim to get to impact wrestling i i wonder really if if gail kim never went to impact wrestling would impact wrestling have such a canadian female influence and they've had it throughout the years whether it's you know, whether it's Gail or whether it's Ty or whether always, it was Allie when she was there, whether it's Rosemary yeah. now, right? It, like, there's... Um, you know, I think Impact just naturally grew into having that Canadian influence, just in general, with both male and female performers. Uh, I, I think it just feels more natural, uh, in a way. Like, it just, it just naturally fits. I'm not sure exactly how that occurred or or why but it just always you know when you think impact you know the and you name any male or female performer about i would say 80 to 90 percent of the time you know it's canadian and you still see it today like look at look at the men that are in there right now right you have eric young in there um you have josh alexander who's on top Right, it just and again, like on the women's side, you have Rosemary and others. It's just, I, I, I find it so fascinating. Right, you, you see, Gail Kim arrive there. Uh, there's a couple Canadian women. She leaves. She comes back, and now you see a, a big influx of, of them. And it's just, it's and, and it, they're just gonna keep coming. a hundred percent. Like she, I mean, she laid the groundwork, and now everybody can follow that path, right? Yeah, 
And, you know, I think she really, like you said, you know, and, and I think everyone can agree she was probably the one of the foundations of the knockouts division, you know, and anytime she would appear or come back, you know, any, everyone was excited. Yes. Like to this day, you know, everyone's still excited to just see her. Uh, I, I mean, if she just wanted to show up at impact, you know, people would be talking about it. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause I mean, I see, you know, the fans still interact with her, you know, they still, they still want to see her. Uh, that's not going to change, you know. Um, it's just unfortunate. Whoever wrote that article, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily agree. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it, <laughs> you know. And that's my personal opinion. I think you would uh, be hard pressed to find many people who who drew something positive out of that one. I, the only thing I can uh, state is that it's very uh, well worded in a creative aspect it's worded uh, all right oh yeah yeah it's real creative too <laughs> uh, very well creative uh the choice of uh words uh and the layout of the style but as far as the message and the deep root of the article uh, there's nothing good <laughs> like uh it's just offensive to me uh i would find that extremely offensive today uh, I uh, 2011. I probably would have found that offensive if I read it. Uh, fortunately, I didn't read a lot of pro wrestling articles in 2011. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, that, that's the most positive thing I can say is that uh, uh, Grammarly and the choice of words was very creative. Uh, however, uh, not not the best. Uh, article as far as you know being polite uh, uh it's definitely i found it offensive uh and i'm not gail kim but it's offensive to me as a as a woman in this industry it's very offensive and i would feel that way if it was written about uh, a male talent as well i would feel offended for for a man as well uh, and that's just me whether people like it or not <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah. In terms of that article, unfortunately, that was that was the times. But you could certainly say that Gail Kim stood the test of time, right? She had an incredible run in Impact Wrestling, and now she is a producer behind the scenes with Impact Wrestling. And correct me if I'm wrong, but she she works primarily with the Knockouts, and she produces a lot of the Knockouts matches now. Correct? Yes, uh, that's at least what I, I know. I don't know if maybe she's helping produce other matches as well, um, but I do know she's primarily helping there. Um, I mean, also, we we have to remember, you know, let's also mention, you know, she was the first uh, female Hall of Famer for yes, that's right. Impact as well. Yeah, you're right about that. And she deserves every, every, you know, every accolade in that, in my opinion. For any any promotion as well, she so, deserves all that recognition. So as we uh, as we start to wind down this part of the segment, I guess what would be what would be your kind of top me- moments or memories of Gail Kim throughout her career in Impact Wrestling or otherwise? Anytime she returned, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically anytime she returned, anytime she returned later on in like let's say like twenty. 
16, 20, even 2017, you know, when she was, when she became a Hall of Famer that time, uh, just how you really have an idea as far as how advanced she was for the time, if she could just pop in the ring like it was nothing and mesh with, like, other styles and other knockouts. Yes. That were definitely, I would say, way more trained than WWE at the time back then. Uh, now, you know, WWE, they've got a great developmental set, uh, developmental center. Uh, the women are very well trained now uh, at WWE, but at the time, you know, uh, they they weren't really. How do I say this politely? They weren't. Their their skill set wasn't that advanced. Uh, so it gives you an idea that she was very well ahead of her time and very well advanced. And even for her to just be able to pop back in the ring, that should also tell you that she was she was advanced for the time. Her skill set was very high. Um, but as far as memorable moments, I would definitely say the fact that, uh, you know, when she was inducted into the Hall of Fame, to me that was important because it, I was happy that she at least got some type of recognition somewhere that she deserved. And it was a long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, should it have been done sooner? Eh, maybe. But I'm just happy for her in general uh, that she actually got that recognition because that's all I ever wanted for her. And I, I feel like that's a lot of the fan sentiment too, right? It just, because she did so much and accomplished so much, just that recognition that, you know, everybody can hang their hat on. Like, she finally got recognized. And, like, to your point, right, the first uh, female to be inducted into the uh, TNA or Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame is, is that's no, that's no uh, slouch statement, that's for sure. And we don't, and... People need to also keep in mind as far as when it comes to, like, Impact or TNA or whatever you choose to call it. Uh, we, we say Impact now. <laughs> we don't have a huge induction ceremony for a Hall of Fame. Like, we don't have a lot of inductees. We, we have very... I would say, you know, we're very selective of who gets inducted per, per year. Uh, not to say that WWE is not selective, but they usually have multiple people going in. Like, a lot of people going in. Uh, we, how what what would you say is the average for us to induct people in the Hall of Fame? How many would you say per year? I thought it's one a year. Yeah, it's like one. So I think maybe I mean I could be wrong. I could have sworn maybe there was like two a year or something like that. But it's we don't have like four or five people that go in <laughs> every year. No, it's always definitely like not one particular person, or sometimes two depending on that year. So before I let you go, um, what kind of projects do you have on the go right now? Ugh, I don't, I don't even. <laughs> Bad question. You had a long day at work, and now I hit you with that one. Uh, I let's see. I got. Uh, if you go to my Twitter, you can keep up with me. You can go to my link tree on Twitter. Uh, I've got a couple of sponsors now. Oh yeah, I did see that. Talk about that for a second. Um, I, I've got rep sports now, uh, you know, I, I'm officially, uh, sponsored and affiliated. So if you want to order anything from rep sports online, you know, I'm a big fan of energy drinks. Uh, you can get a percentage off by using the code Rose Nova at repsports.com during checkout. If you want, you know, 
anything to help you get them gains in. Uh, I am doing some more writing entertainment-wise as well. I'm doing a lot of stuff for Noah, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, at TWM. Uh, occasionally you'll catch me talking about something random <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> uh, that has nothing to do with pro wrestling. Uh, every Tuesday night I'm tweeting about Impact Wrestling, or I'm retweeting people. Uh, if you want to follow me, follow me at AROCPE on Twitter. From there, you'll have a link to everything. Uh, I've got uh, some new merch coming out. Um, it's being worked on. Uh, just a, an update because I haven't had um, any merch updates in the past, like, two or three years. So hopefully we can get that approved and going on Pro Wrestling Tees again. Um, there's still some shirts there. Let's see. And we're also going to release some release a couple under Culture Plus Entertainment. If you want to go there, cultureplusentertainment.com. We talk about anything uh, film, TV. Uh, we have some wrestling stuff there, but we're not a full wrestling site. Uh, mainly we talk about WWE, AEW, Impact only. And, uh, yeah, that's... We talk about gaming there. You know, that's pretty much it. I'm kind of all over the place. So if you go to my Twitter, you can keep up with me. Once again, make sure you give a follow to at a Rose CPE. That's actually Rose Nova's uh, Twitter handle. You catch her there for all of her wonderful projects that she has on the go. Now, before I get into the next interview of the program, Alicia from Total Nonstop Impact, I'm going to play another clip of Gail Kim. This one is going to be audio of her reflecting on her kind of early days of the wrestling business and into uh, what she really meant and what she really thinks of the uh, impact knockout division and kind of the genesis of it and the beginnings of it. So really interesting stuff. Going to get to this audio and then on the other side, Alicia from Total Onslaught Impact joins the program. I went through a lot of ups and downs throughout my career. I lost my passion at one point and completely quit the business and so Scott Demore gave me a call and he said, we want to build a women's division in TNA. And he said, it's going to take time, so I want you to be patient. But that's what we're looking towards. And I went down to the studios, Universal Studios, and I met the roster and this passion reignited in me. And I just knew this was the right thing to do and this is where I wanted to be. So my first uh, day with TNA was on the very first day we started on Spike TV. And it was a great way to start, a uh, fresh new start with everyone. Team 3D started on that day. Uh, it was our start on Spike TV. So everyone was very motivated to make this work and make it a great success. When I heard that we were going to start our knockouts division and it was actually going to happen, I was ecstatic. I had been fighting for that moment for so long. I think literally at least minimum a year and a half. And... The company finally said, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to bring in 10 girls, and we're going to start a division, and we're going to have a knockouts title. I literally started screaming in the arena from happiness. And it was truly that whole time, that whole time period of building the knockouts division, it was basically an overnight success and a dream come true. To be regarded as the pioneer of the division, it's truly an honor. I... I don't think of myself that way. I just know that I fought for what I believed in, what I felt passionate about. I remember people always telling me and being negative and saying, 
they don't want to watch women's wrestling, Gail. That's the bathroom break. And I just refuse to believe that. And I just truly believe that if we showed them that we could just go in the ring and we could do what was just as good as the guys, I knew that we could prove them wrong. And we did. All right, very happy to be joined on the line right now by one of Total Nonstop Impact's own, Alicia. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, I know you, you You may have a toasty reputation after Johnny Bravo was on the Total Nonstop Impact program this past Tuesday. <laughs> but why don't, you, uh, why don't you give everybody a quick lowdown of, uh, of what goes on with you and Total Nonstop Impact? We basically uh, do reviews and, you know, have guest interviews with inter- impact wrestlers and stuff. Uh, great group of guys. I'm happy to be working with them. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the program and you guys had uh, Gia Miller on. And that was a fantastic interview. And she's she's so good in that role uh, that she's currently on uh, before the impact is just a tremendous episode episode, pre-episode, whatever you want to say of Impact Wrestling, but she does uh, such a fantastic job, and she was so great on the interview with you guys, and I always find that you guys do such a great job of not only bringing the results, because that part of it is kind of, eh, anybody can do it, but really the fan perspective of what it means to be a fan of Impact Wrestling, you guys do such a great job of bringing that from the episode to the every person. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we take a great pride in in trying to bring the faces to fans, of fans to the whole wrestling perspective. And yeah, it's, it's just good stuff. Except when Johnny Bravo comes on and totally obliterates you for not being all dolled up for uh, for the interview, which uh, that was just something else in itself. So uh, for anybody who is not familiar with it, if you ever... Well, if you're listening to this program, you've obviously listened to the first start of it. I always air uh, Trent Seberry's Total Nonstop Impact infomercial, if you will. That's not a paid advertisement. That's not anything like that. He's honestly just a really good friend of mine. That's why I have him on every show because me and him go way back. But So it's kind of funny that we're taking the way back into the 2021 and now I have Alicia on the show. So I'm very happy to have you on the program to talk some Gil Kim. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. Gail Kim's iconic. So before we get into this, kind of give everybody a backstory. Like, when did you start watching Impact Wrestling, and what was kind of your first introduction to Gail Kim in Impact Wrestling? And and further to that, what was kind of your introduction into the Knockouts division of Impact Wrestling? Oh, man, oh, man, now you're taking me back. So um, I've been into Impact uh since you had to like pay for the episodes on the pay-per-view yes so this is like way back in the beginning um i remember seeing the commercials and i was absolutely hooked because i was a wrestling fan from that point like i've been watching it since i was like three apples high um but as far as like the knockouts my first introduction is seeing like you know tracy brooks and uh trinity and such so it really made a big impression with me because up until that point i had only been exposed to wcw women and wwe women and to see what the impact women were actually bringing to the table really really inspired me to like love it so much more because they were doing things that the other women weren't doing and it really elevated to the capabilities of women in general in wrestling 
So earlier on, I had a guest on the program, and we were talking about the difference, the stark difference between the WWF slash E product at the time, and then you move into what TNA Impact at the time was doing, and it was it was light years, light years different, right? You had right, right. We were talking about, and it's it's shitty to say in 2021, but like the women's matches in WWE were brawn panties matches or they were the popcorn matches. And that's, that's what you got. But in TNA impact, you were getting a lot of, a lot of high flying, a lot of, uh, brawling, a lot of weapons. Although I'm not a huge hardcore fan, but it was still, and yeah, we talked about that when I was on the, the total on the sub impact program, but like the fact that they were allowing or no, Allowing is not a proper way to say it, I realized in 2021, but I don't know a proper way to say it. But the fact that they were letting women push the boundaries and push the envelope, and like you said, the women that they had in the roster at the time, it was just something different. It was totally different. Yeah, yeah. It brought in a whole new perspective to women's wrestling. And I think that's why it was so popular when it first started coming out is because they weren't, their matches weren't the ones you went to the bathroom breaks on. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally agree. It, it wasn't your standard, yeah, like I said, popcorn break. Like, even, uh, I can remember going to shows here in Winnipeg when when WWE would come through on on the house show loop or whatever. And, yeah, you're, you're looking at 2004 to, like, 2000... Oh, God, even to 15 almost is really when they started getting serious with the women. So, you think about that. That was... That's what fifteen years or yeah. or so of of like the the WWE women division, and I use that term loosely, being what it was, and then the Impact Wrestling division being what it is, and and now you see a lot of those women are now integrated into WWE. It's just it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, the main one that we're talking about tonight is Gail Kim. Now, what do you can you recall when when was your first introduction to Gail Kim, and and, and what was your first impression when you saw her on the scene? Um, I was first introduced to Gail Kim when she did her first WWE run, um, and I felt that she really stood out. She was doing things um, at a higher capacity than a lot of her other opponents in the ring and then I remember her standout with impact when she showed up with America's Most Wanted yes <laughs> very dope times and, and that feud with Jacqueline Moore uh, beautiful beautiful work like I'm just running down that roster that they had mm-hmm. so so she comes into impact wrestling in 2006 like you said she, she has the run with with Jacqueline Moore who who in herself is a legend at that point absolutely but like some of the other women that they had, they had Tracy Brooks on the roster. They had uh, ODB was on the roster. You had Awesome Kong on the roster, though she was young in her career. Christy Hemme, young in her career. Um, Miss Brooks, who, uh, Roxy Laveau, uh, Shelly Martinez was on the roster. Like the building blocks were there. But I feel like somebody like Gail Kim coming in with with her resume and her stature kind of not legitimized it, but brought more legitimacy to the, to the division. And really, you, you really started to see all the women kind of stand out and break away from the bra and panties matches to what mm-hmm. we would end up seeing the, the knockouts division being. 
Right, right. I feel like with the knockouts division, um, they were allowed to show their personalities more, so it made the matches more entertaining because they were able to bring uh, the whole character aspect to it. And it wasn't just these generic girls who all had their sparkly outfits, you know? Yes. (laughs) Although there was some of that, but when it was done... when it was done that way in Impact, it was done differently, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, these women were presented as strong, dominant females. And, you know, again, their characters really shown through where you're believable. Everything Gail Kim did was passionate and with flair, and she was just so incredible. So she had her run from 2006 till 2008 with Impact. Mm-hmm. She goes back to WWE. I had discussed in the earlier interview her exit from from WWE, which I, I said in that one she she had she had a set on her for sure for her exit there when she kind of they told her to get eliminated in the, the first minute of a Royal Rumble and she said f this I'm gonna eliminate myself and and walked out and quit so go like. <laughs> everybody talks about grabbing the brass ring. That's how you grab it and take your ball and F off somewhere else and do your own thing, right? So she goes back to Impact Wrestling in uh, in 2010, or sorry, 2011. Yeah. And then, like, even still, now you're looking at names like you have Tara there, you have Velvet Sky there uh, with the beautiful people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey James is there, and they had some incredible matches. Oh, yeah, bangers. Like, I'm not discounting the women that they had in that 06 to 08 run, but you can really see how much uh, TNA Impact at the time stepped their game up to bring legitimate women in who legitimately wanted to wrestle that, that, I know I've said it three times now, but legitimate style. Yeah, absolutely. They were given an opportunity to really show that they had what it takes to, to put on great matches good storytelling all of it so what would you say like in your opinion and this is kind of a two-pronged question so whichever you want to answer first is is all good with me but what did you think of the way that gail kim was utilized in impact wrestling and then furthermore what did you think of the way that gail kim kind of carried herself in the division in tna impact oh okay so as far as how she was presented i thought it was very well um, no matter what angle they gave her, she she played it out to a T and just really showed that on top of her wrestling ability, her acting chops were up to par. Yes. Um, so when she was a heel, I believe she was a heel. And even though I loved her, I was like, oh, girl, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wanted to ring her sometimes, you know, but that's just how good she was. And as far as her presentation, she was always just crisp and clean and to the point. And she took her, her position in wrestling seriously and wanted to showcase and push the other talent as well. Um, I feel like she presented herself very well. To me, she, and this is kind of an odd, and you have to forgive me because I'm a huge mark for him, but to me, she was very much the female Bret Hart in Impact Wrestling. Like, she was very technically orientated. She tried to make everything as believable as possible. And, and, and like, it doesn't, you can pick any match she was in, whether it was singles or tags or, and this impressed me the most going through the the database, is how many mixed uh, tags she was in. Mm-hmm. And six-person tags. Like, she's in tags with 
her ODB and AJ Styles, for example, against the beautiful oh, yeah. people and, and Kurt Angle. And, like, I, I remember watching it, but it's one of those things where you, you don't see it forever, and then you read back on it, and you're like, holy shit, like, how groundbreaking was that? Yeah, that that was happening before that was even really popular, yes. you know? And, uh, again, just another reason why Impact has always been innovative as far as what they bring to the table with wrestling and not being afraid to show that, hey, women can tussle with men just as well and put on believable matches, and Gail Kim was definitely a credit to that. The way I always took her is this is somebody who who wanted to carry the division. She never yes. she never acted like she was above the division, and, you know, you can kind of... Again, this is... It's shitty for me to say because I'm a guy. Right, and I I understand, like, send your hate tweets to at six underscore podcast, it's fine. But, like, you can always tell when, when a, there's a woman who f- thinks that she shouldn't be wrestling other women. Like, China is a perfect example of that back in, in the early days of WWF, WWE. But, to me, Gail Kim was never one of those who thought she was above the other women. She always wanted to bring out the best of the other women on the roster. That's my impression, at least. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, she was definitely the one who gave the impression of, uh, if you're going to be part of the women's division, why not elevate it? You know, you're only as good as your competitors in these situations. And if you are just trying to get ahead, you know, it, no one else gets ahead. And so she did a beautiful job of really just, uh, just showing the world again, what she could do and how she could bring it out with other women, you know? So here's here's a polarizing question because a lot of people will go hard one way or hard the other way. Did you prefer Gail Kim as the Knockouts champion or did you prefer Gail Kim as the challenger? I liked her as both. I know that seems like such a generic <laughs> answer, but uh, again, I can't stress it enough. With her talent, it, she was just so believable in the ring that when she was the odd man out, I believed, you know, the underdog, I believed her. And when she was the top woman, I was all there for her, you know. she She's just one of those kind of women who could do it, be believable in both roles. So uh, in this program, we normally don't talk about matches per se, but this is kind of a different subject where where Gail Kim is so influential in her style of matches and what she did. What did you think of her series of matches with Awesome Kong? Oh, they're iconic, of course. Um, I know that it seems to always be the go-to uh, when referencing some of her great uh, rival battles. And they, they really brought the best out of each other because Awesome Kong alone in her own right is is a fantastic performer uh glad she's still in the biz uh they're just incredible you know to me it's it was super interesting and very ahead of its time that you would have two women of color in a top title situation and multiple times right you mm. still see it today even in the men's divisions and and it doesn't well Impact is different. I'm not counting them, but if if you're talking about uh, WWE or you're talking about AEW, you don't really see a lot of colored people in the top spots facing colored people. Yes, there may be one champion of color or a, uh, or a contender of color, and Impact has always been that kind of 
they don't play by the other rules, right? They've all like look at it right now. We have we're marching towards no surrender, and we have Moose and Rich Swan going for or or battling it out for the for the Impact World Championship. So, to me, it's just it's super interesting the way that they. There's no, what's it's it's such a hard thing to talk about because again I'm a guy, <laughs> like, but it's such a hard thing to, for me to describe like just how important it is, not just obviously to me but to other people and, and people of color like what they're able to do, what they're able to bring to the table and what they're allowed to do is I guess a better way to say it. Um, I always feel that Impact's been ahead of its time with that, and, you know, I always support a company that's willing to break down boundaries and allow people of all backgrounds to, to have their rightful spot in the, in the spotlight. And the, the other thing I wanted to bring up with Gail Kim, and this is, I don't know how much this matters to you, but for, for Canadians at least, it always seems that when there's a... There's a high-level athlete, a high-level Canadian athlete in another in a wrestling promotion like WWE. They're either a heel and are terribly booked, which is like their trademark thing to do. Like, look what they did with all the French Canadian guys that came through there, or they switch them. Oh, this guy's from insert name here, America, right? You had Edge was from wherever the hell he was from from the states for a while. Christian, same thing. Jericho was from New York. Right, Impact Wrestling has never really shied away from from Canadians having a prominent spotlight there, and certainly not a female Canadian in Gail Kim. And then obviously you have the other ones like, oh God, they've had tons over the years. Whether it's Rosemary now or Ali back in the day, uh, hello or, or, Team Canada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, like. Impact's always had mad love for Canadian wrestling, as they should. We owe we owe wrestling to Canadian wrestling. Come on. I always and and I brought this. I brought the thing up earlier with my previous guest. Is if Gail Kim didn't arrive on the scene, would they have brought as much Canadian female talent into the into the promotion as they ended up bringing? And I, it's a it's a it's a sticky subject, if you will. I don't know if it's sticky. I just don't know how you could actually say otherwise. You know what I mean? Because you think there's other Canadian wrestlers. I believe Angelina Love. Um, she I know is. she's a little bit later down the road. Um, but, but she's, she's in that Canadian. 2006 range, too, as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I just think it's kind of hard to say. I think maybe- I would like to hope so. Yeah, well, obviously I'm. <laughs> I would hope so too, being Canadian myself. But it, to me, it's so interesting. Like you see, again, we were, we were talking earlier about that 2006 to 2008 roster. Mm-hmm. Then you get into that 2011 and on roster. Then you have people like like Taylor Wilde is in there, right? You have people like Ali ends up coming in. Uh, you have people like Ty Valkyrie ends up coming in. It yes. just it seems to me that like. Gail Kim got established. She really opened the door, and then she—you start to see this influx of Canadian uh, talent, which we still see up to this day. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying. I will—I'll agree. <laughs> well, if you disagree, you're off the show. <laughs> yeah. Period. Could you imagine? Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm being biased. Yes, Canadian all the way. <laughs> so, uh, for yourself, like if. You, 
and I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot and give you like, a, give me your top five Gail Kim moments. And that's, I always think those are such odd things to say. But in your opinion, what are kind of the, what are the watershed moments for you for Gail Kim and her career for either TNA Impact, which I'm sure that you're going to go to, or or WWE. My favorite feud with Gail Kim, um, with a uh, Gail Kim versus would have to be Taryn Terrell because I feel like in that rivalry specifically. Uh, well, when Gail was against Kong, and that was her most famous uh, feud, um, they brought out the brutality with each other, but Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim brought out a crazy viciousness that brought a whole new level to what a women's feud could be, and I thought that was outstanding. I find that super interesting. Yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head her versus Awesome Kong was very much the the David and Goliath, right? Yes. But yeah, her and Taryn Terrell, that was that was vicious. Like they were out for blood. They yeah, they brought darkness out of each other, and it it was poetic in a way. I I don't know how many times people have compared wrestling to poetry, but that's how I always feel is that it's just a complete work of art. And those women told a story, and it's always stood out to me like wow. Wow. And that's, uh, yeah, those, that set of matches is something else. And like you said, right, when you're, when you're talking about bringing something out of somebody else, you're bringing layers out of the character and that you was just another step in the evolution of Gail Kim, right? And Taryn Terrell as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cause up until that point, um, I believe Taryn was like a straight up, like a face for the most part. But then when they started that feud, man, it got ugly. <laughs> but it was like, it was something that nobody had seen before either. Yes. Which is, that's, yes. and again, this is going back to what we were talking about earlier, how Impact Wrestling has never really followed the quote-unquote rules, right? No. And I'm so glad, uh, I'm so glad they went that route because it's interesting. So, and... You might have the scoop, if you will, a little bit on the backstage. Yeah, you like that one. <laughs> you might have a little bit of that. But so Gail Kim right now is, is uh, she's very much heavily involved in the backstage production with with the with the TNA or they're not TNA knockouts anymore, but with the knockouts roster. Um, what do you think? Like, what do you think her legacy is going forward? Like, what do you think that she can impart onto the women today? from her runs from either, uh, you know, TNA Impact to WWE to Impact Wrestling to what she's doing now? What do you think that she can bring to the table for them? I think she could bring the history to them and show them that, you know, how to progress in their wrestling career and maybe just follow their, their hearts and, you know, believe in your character and be a strong wrestler and just do the best you can, you know? To me, she she very much seems like that that real touchstone from the 2000s to the 10s to now, right? She's been in it a long time, but doesn't show it. I mean, goddamn, look at her. She's gorgeous still. and But she just seems like one of these... She's timeless, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at, right? Whether it's yeah, her, yeah. whether it, it, you know her matches are timeless, her promos are timeless, the way that she still interacts on on social media with everybody else, right? It's still 
she's she to me at least seems very timeless in that in that fashion. Yeah, I definitely agree. We'll kind of start to wrap this thing up. I know you're you're super busy. You got a ton of of ton on the go. You're moving. I caught you in the, in the worst possible time, but but uh, before we get out of here, just what's a couple of your closing thoughts on um, first on Gail Kim and then kind of shifting on to Gail Kim. But what do you see moving forward for the Knockouts division in 2021 and moving forward? Because I know that you are a massive fan of the Knockouts division and especially the women who are in it today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So closing thought on Gail Kim is just that uh, I'm so thankful that over the years we've been able to witness her entire career and see just really everything she's brought to the table and, you know, the wisdom she imparts on the upcoming roster and everything. And as far as the future of the knockouts, man, I think it's kind of corny to say, but I feel like the, the options are limitless at this point. I mean, in the last year alone, uh, we, we've had a woman as the, the major, uh, title holder, in yes. Impact Wrestling, and even though that kind of went a little wonky, um, I feel like that you can't take that away, and that's a pretty big deal. And the fact that Impact could have that much faith in someone it, that just shows me again that the options are limitless with Impact Wrestling. And who would be your kind of ones to watch moving forward uh, from twenty twenty one into the near future with 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 respect to the current division of Knockouts? Uh, with respect, honestly, I say all of them, but I I gotta you know pitch my faves, and I always gotta say Jessica Havoc, uh, Kira, and uh, Tasha Steeles, and uh, Kimberly. Yeah, you you almost don't have a bad pick in the lot, right? It just with the the amount of talent that they have right now is is Im- impressive in itself, and the fact I love that they brought back to the knockout titles or the knockout tag team titles, I should say. Yeah, it, it was a long time too. coming. We've got some pretty impressive women and um, women who can really re- represent those titles and put on great matches, you know, and defend them rightfully. So, you know, it's exciting. It's great stuff. Before I let you go, where can everybody get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram under the handle Alicia B Cakey. B is in the letter B, not the bug, or the B yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that wonderful show that everybody can find you on on Tuesday nights. Where can they get that? Uh, yeah, you can find us under the handle. Mostly, it's a uh, We Talk Impact, uh, total nonstop impact every Tuesday. Uh, we do the reviews, uh, and every Thursday they do the throwback reviews, and then a little fun here and there. <laughs> now, is there anything coming down the pipeline for those programs that you can kind of give us the uh, insider information on, or is that pretty oh. well? Is that tight lipped? Because I know Trent's got the uh, Trent's got the lock on a lot of that. Shout out to sure. Trent, by the way. <laughs> shout out to Trent. Uh, shout out to all the guys. They're wonderful. Um, you know, you'll just have to tune in and watch. We tend to have a lot of surprises ourselves. Like, a lot of the times we have, like, guests from Impact and we're surprised. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's news to us and it's wonderful. And, you know, I think we we, we have a good good thing going with everything. So, yeah, check us out. It's a lot of fun. I guess my last question on that is, where is Kyle, and what dumpster is he hiding in lately? Oh, yeah, Kyle's doing Kyle <laughs> stuff, and, you know, I'm sure he'll be back sooner than later. 
He'll pop out when we least suspect it. He'll pop, and he always does. Sometimes he'll tune in at the weirdest times during the shows, and it, it just it's chaos from there. <laughs> <laughs> Organized chaos. Who? who Organized chaos. Yeah, you gotta love it, right? <laughs> hey, Alicia. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm super happy to have you on the program. Thank you again for t- for taking time out of your busy schedule. I, Get back to packing. I, I, I'm sure the boxes are all lined up in the back there, and, and you're ready to get going. So uh, thank you very much for joining the program with me tonight and uh, talk some Gail Kim. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was great fun talking about it. Before we head to the finish of tonight's program, I'm going to play a couple more audio clips. The first one is a Gail Kim promo package previewing her matchup against Awesome Kong at Bound for Glory. The second one you're going to hear is from Alicia's favorite matchup, uh, Gail Kim versus Taryn Terrell. And you're going to hear a promo from that series of matches. And after that, I hope you stick around for the end of the program. I'm going to be talking about a couple of interesting things that we have coming up in regards to this podcast. So make sure you stick around uh, for the end of the show. Until then, these couple of promos from Gail Kim. Earlier, as it relates to this knockouts championship match between Gail Kim and Awesome Kong, Gail Kim had these comments of her own. Awesome Kong is one of my toughest opponents to date. I think the fans would agree. I think my body would agree that when Kong and I come together, you just never know what's going to happen. I respect the hell out of her. And when we're in the ring, we both give it all we've got. And like I've said before, all the pain I went through, all the pain that my body went through, I wouldn't take back one minute of that for anything. This match at Bound for Glory is about our legacy. Who truly is the best? I was the very first Knockouts champion, and I intend to stay Knockouts champion. Come Bound for Glory. Come Bound for Glory 2015. Who's going to go down as the best TNA Knockouts champion ever? This match will go down in history. And when the history books are written about our Knockouts division, it's going to say one thing. Bound for Glory 2015, Gail Kim defeats Awesome Kong. You have nothing to worry about. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to touch you. I'm just here to talk to you. Okay? It's nice. Taryn, Taryn. You just forget how well I know you. So these mind games, they don't work with me. The psychological babble BS doesn't work. So just stop. And also... I'm a true believer in karma, so I truly believe that karma will slap you in the face before I do. But, on second thought. Oh, wow! A right hand that just floors Tara Terrell by Gail Kim. Knocked her loopy. What a right delivery. And it bound for glory. Two of the four involved in that knockouts title match are going at it. They're not wasting any time. As we look to wrap up tonight's program, just once again want to thank the two special guests I had on tonight's program, both Ashley and Alicia. Again, I could wax poetically all day about what women's wrestling means to the wrestling industry, what Canadian 
female wrestlers mean to the wrestling history and to wrestling today, but that's just my perspective, the male perspective. I thought it was very important to have a couple of females on the program, uh, not just to give us the wrestling fan perspective, but you got the writer perspective from Ashley, and then you got the production and, you know, somebody who has a vested interest in the product today with the po- in terms of podcasting and following the product with Alicia. So, again, happy to have them on the program. I hope you all enjoyed it. I just wanted to give a shout out. This has nothing to do with the podcast itself, but somebody who I, I just feel needs that little attaboy, if you will. So, Chuck Rawpeck, if you are listening, uh, kudos to you. Uh, him and his wife... The other, it was the other day they donated something like six hundred dollars worth of food to one of their local homeless shelters. Just what a selfless act! So, Truck Rawpeck, if you're listening, man, hats off to you and everybody who listening to this who knows him. You know he's a stand up dude. Just wow, what a tremendous thing for you to go out of your way and uh, for you and your wife to do that. That's just. Uh, that was something real special. So I wanted to give you a quick shout out uh, on the program. Once again, it has nothing to do with this what we're talking about, but I felt like uh felt like that had to be mentioned because that's that's really stand up, man. Hats off to you and the wife. That's really tremendous. In terms of this program, uh, obviously uh, next month we're gonna have a new topic. I'm already lining up some tremendous guests and we're starting production as we speak on that program. Now before we get there, once again tinyurl.com slash grappling with Canada. Please go there. Please use the Amazon links to do your Amazon purchasing. Once again, nothing gets added to your purchasing price, just a small kickback gets sent to this show. And once again, Impact Wrestling fans, I'm talking to you. I know there's a lot of you and I know you're gonna be listening to this program. I implore you, use your Amazon 30-day free subscription and get those Impact Wrestling Twitch tendies, if you will. Once again, tinyurl.com slash grapplingwithcanada is where you can find all that. You can find me on Twitter at 6 underscore podcast, and you can also find us on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com slash C slash six-sided podcast. And one more thing I wanted to mention, actually a couple of things I wanted to mention. One is you can find us on Patreon. We have a Patreon page. I haven't plugged it yet, but uh, I'm going to start doing it now just because now we have kind of an established catalog and I have some plans for the future. So patreon.com slash grappling with Canada is where you can find that. $5 gets you uh, access, early access to these programs. Also gets you uh, some input into the shows moving forward and a few other interesting uh, things of note. So once again, patreon.com slash grapplingwithcanada. And I had a few people asking about merchandise. Yes, that is something I'm going to be moving into. No, it's not going to be anytime soon. And and that's simply for the fact of there's lots going on uh, at the home life, if you will. So, you know, that's something I'm going to be looking forward to maybe end of March to really start seriously progressing that avenue uh, but I will keep you all posted uh, and one other thing I, I can't believe I have to mention this but I'm just going to get it out of the way because I don't need it coming up anymore but if you, anybody will notice the logo for this program has changed from what it was once originally now it's a subtle change but it changed nonetheless and I wanted to give everybody a backstory as to why now the first logo for this program featured the grappling with Canada logo with the 
red ensign flag. Now that flag I put on our logo because that was the flag that was in use on the early NWA titles because when that title was produced, Canada didn't have the Maple Leaf flag that we now know and love. Somebody brought up on Twitter that there are far-right groups in Canada apparently that are using that as their, oh, you know, we don't support the Canadian flag, we're using this. Complete bullshit in my opinion, and I just want to, I can't believe I have to say it, but I'm going to say it. Right, this program in no way, shape, or form represents or supports anybody, anything, any movement like that. Point blank period, I can't say it. I can't see it any other way. And hats off to Pat LaPrade because he really went to bat for me in this whole issue that that occurred earlier on in February. So it's not like I went ahead and had to scramble and change the logo. I'll give you guys a peek behind the curtain. I had three different logos or three different styles of that specific logo made up originally. So the plan was to kind of put them out there, you know, throughout the year, but I just figured out whatever. We'll just use different logos for different applications. And so you'll see all three styles of logo used throughout social media, used throughout the uh, links for the podcast itself, whether it's uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, again, wherever you buy, sell, trade, steal, barter, whatever your favorite podcast you can find us grappling with canada uh on the youtube page as well just i just wanted to clear that up i know a couple of people were asking i kind of went radio silent on it not because i didn't want to talk about it but because it was like you know i said my piece and again hats off to to pat laprade for kind of jumping in on there when he didn't have to so that's what's going on with the logo that's what's happening with merchandise i'll keep you guys updated where you can all find that once again the easiest way to get all that is at six underscore podcast or tinyurl.com slash grappling with Canada. So for that, for the guests that I had on this evening and for everybody who's tuned into the program, we've had tremendous growth between the Sue Hart episode and the Dino Bravo episode. Uh, we set uh, download records for the Dino Bravo episode. We've added hundreds of new subscribers on YouTube. Once again, uh, our race to 1,000. Once we hit that, we got the prize pack ready to go. So uh, just hats off to everybody who's listening to, the, to this program. And please, 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 if there's one thing you're going to do, actually, you can do two things for me. First off, text your friends. Tell them you listen to this program. Tell them they got to tune in to Grappling with Canada. Second thing you can do is wherever you're listening to this, if there's a if there's an area to like the program, like the program. If there's an area to, scri- to subscribe to the program, make sure you subscribe. If there's an area to leave a comment and a review, please, I would implore you, leave a five-star review and a comment. Just it puts us uh, higher in the rankings for people searching for the podcast. Uh, just help me out. So, again, rate, review, like, subscribe, all good things. And I will catch you guys next month for another episode of Grappling with Canada. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Good night, everyone.